0: You're listening to the Beaver Tales podcast, which features exclusive interviews with former Oregon State student-athletes. We talk about what they did at OSU, what the transition was like away from college athletics, and what they're passionate about now. Here's a little taste of what's coming up on this episode. I
1: really thought I was just going to go home and just get a job and be, you know... <laughs> do the nine to five which i was 100% fine with i've always grown up just to be like you know if Josh love what you love do that when you stop loving it do something else you love
0: you've successfully found the beaver tails podcast you deserve a snack while you're getting that enjoy this episode with your host josh Wharton. Well, hi again, everybody. Welcome back to the Beaver Tales podcast. My guest today is an Oregon State women's basketball player from seven, well, about eight years ago. Now, I'm joined by Patricia Bright, one of the best shot blockers in Oregon State history. She transferred in from Pensacola State College, and in her first season in 2011-2012, she set the school record in blocks in a single season and blocks in a single game with nine. And she went on to play two years at Oregon State, and she's played professional basketball ever since. And she. She's done it all around the world. Right now, she's up in the northern reaches of Romania, near the border of Hungary and Ukraine, and that's where she called into the Beaver Tales podcast as she's in the midst of some crazy weeks. She had three games this last weekend and preparing for more games upcoming. A lot of bus rides. They don't allow any plane flights in her league. There's no fans in the games, but they're still playing. So, fun chat here with Patricia Bright. But first, a quick word from our sponsor, Lamplight Creatives. And what better episode to talk about Lamplight Creatives than the episode with Patricia Bright? Okay, okay, corny joke. But Lamplight Creatives can help your business shine brighter online. They can help website development, help improve the website you've already got, produce content to put online, help people more easily find your business when they're searching for products that you sell. Whatever it may be, you can increase your online presence through Lamp Light Creatives and all the services they provide. So check out their link in the episode description and call them up today. All right, here is former Oregon State women's basketball player calling in from Romania. Please welcome Patricia Bright. Thanks for joining me on the podcast.
1: No problem. It's been a journey, but we're here. Happy to be here.
0: Uh, Set the scene for me this week. We're talking on a Wednesday. You had three games this whole past week. Uh, What's just the immediate right now feeling like for you?
1: uh, Well, one is fatigue. Second is we just got to keep on going. You know, this COVID is kind of messing up a lot of people's schedule, but I'm for sure grateful to even have a job and even playing. You know, our season is, is pretty much a big deal at this point. But, yeah, we had three games back to back to back, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Then turned around, had Monday off, Tuesday two practices, Wednesday two practices, and we actually leave tonight at midnight to go 14 hours to have another game on Friday. <laughs> so it's been pretty busy, but like I said before, I'm not going to complain. i to just roll with the punches and continue to stay blessed. <laughs>
0: Fourteen hours all the way to a game and fourteen hours back from a game is absurd. People always talk about uh, the bus ride home is a lot easier after a win. So, did you win that game and enjoy a fourteen-hour bus ride after a victory, or is it a, was it a tough one?
1: So the so the fourteen-hour bus drive, we're actually doing it tonight.
0: <laughs> okay. Yeah.
1: So we haven't we haven't played that game yet. So it's actually this Friday coming up. So hopefully we get a win. We'll be four and oh, we haven't lost. We played three games back to back at home. So, but we still had to do the quarantine process of it because that's like the league's rule. So even though we were at home, we couldn't be at our house. We had to go to a hotel and still quarantine in the hotel, couldn't leave. We took our COVID test 48 hours before the game. Everyone passed, thank you. (laughs) And that's how they're pretty much doing it in Romania. It's 48 hour COVID test. Everyone has to be in the hotel, quarantine lockdown, and hopefully it just stays at this level because I know a lot of people are actually postponed or waiting and not playing. So at this point, we're just grateful to even be playing right now.
0: How did you spend the fourteen days where you're you're in the hotel with all your teammates, but I'm assuming you can't even see them, I'm assuming. So what was that like? Yeah.
1: Um we we do a lot of group chats. <laughs> Our group chats get pretty uh, crazy at some point. The boredom gets real, but it's mostly sharing Netflix and TV shows and playing iPhone games. That's a new one that we started. (laughs) So we have like a big competition, Uno, going on at that point. But, you know, it's it's anything to pass the time. If, If we have to sit in the hotel before game days and just for us to play a game, we're happy to do that.
0: There's a few other former Oregon State women's basketball players who are playing in Europe, some of whom you, mm-hmm. I think, did overlap with, some of whom you may not. You didn't overlap mm-hmm. with Michaela Pivik, but she's in Spain. Uh, Ruth Hamblin is in Europe, uh, yeah, Jamie Ruth. Weisner. I feel like I'm forgetting oh, yeah, one or two. Oh, yeah, I definitely two.
1: got to play with Ruth. <laughs> yeah,
0: do you keep <laughs> I, in touch I with them? Ruth
1: went out, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I spoke to Ruth before she, she's actually in Poland, I believe. I spoke to her before she left. We got everyone, you know, has a great communication via IG. That's how we kind of disconnect and make sure everyone's good, make sure, you know, the leagues are solid and, of that sort. But, yeah, I, t- I spoke to Ruth. Hopefully she's doing well in Poland. I probably might have to check on her. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, not, I haven't spoke to Jamie.
0: That's, that's quite the front court for you and Ruth Hamblin, two of the greatest shot yeah. blockers in, <laughs> in school history to be on the same team at the same time.
1: Oh yeah. We look at they loved our practices. <laughs> Balls flying everywhere. Uh no, let's yeah, talk about
0: sure how Scott you loved it. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about how you even got to Oregon State. You um when you started college, Scott Ruick was not at Oregon State, but neither were you, because you right. you started at a at a at Pensacola State in Florida. First of right. all, so you're born in Santa Ana, grew up at least part of your childhood in Phoenix, then you went to Pensacola yeah. State, then Florida came back to Corvallis. How, how did all that happen? You know, why from here to there to here to there? What, what's the backstory there? <laughs> well, right.
1: Um, so out of college, I actually did, had no idea where I wanted to play basketball at. So I took the junior college route. So Pensacola well, is actually a junior college. So when I, when I chose to go to, to Pensacola, I knew if I was going to go somewhere with great competition, I had to go to uh, a JUCO that was also great competition. We won 32-0 in Pensacola. We made it to the Champions Bowl semi, semifinals of the Nationals for JUCO. So actually then is when I met uh, Coach Scott Rook and Eli, Coach Eli. Well, I don't know. No, he's not there anymore. But still, I met him. So he was the post coach at Oregon State when I was there. So I mostly talked to Coach Eli on the phone because he was my position coach. So when I actually decided to sign there, when I took my visit, obviously I was like, well, let me just stay West Coast so I can go home. for. (laughs) I know for sure I got two games I can go home with, (laughs) Arizona and Arizona State. So. I've always been like a a traveling type person. I've never really wanted to stay in Arizona. Maybe it's just because I like to meet a lot of new people. (laughs) So that's pretty much how it came about. I got onto the OSU campus, loved it. Totally different scenery compared to Arizona. The first time it snowed, I actually called Coach Scott like, I have no idea how to drive (laughs) in the snow. Like... (laughs) I'm from Arizona, I've never seen this, don't even know how it works, and he goes, Patricia, you live across the street, I'm like, uh, <laughs> he was like, just walk, I was like, what, <laughs> walk in this snow, so he actually came and got me, <laughs> so yeah, Oregon State has been a blessing for me, for sure, so it's just been all over the place, and, and obviously right now, it's it's still the same way, and I love it, so.
0: There was one uh, funny note about your playing career. So you you not only set the Oregon State record for for block shots in the game, Mm -hmm. you also set the the school record for in a season This I think was the 2011 2011 2012 season or 2010 2011 your your junior year your first year at Oregon State. Um, you had nine block shots in a game. You also set your high school school record for block shots in a game and in a season. <laughs> yeah. But it, it didn't say what the number was. I'm curious if you remember how many blocks was it to set the record, or if you as you can guess, are we talking double digits here?
1: Uh, it's I probably the highest I probably had was nine at OSU, but I'm, I'm not too sure about high school. I know
0: because I did play
1: volleyball. So I played volleyball my freshman and sophomore year. They made me choose. So that's why I was telling. I was like, I got I got a little bit of time in from volleyball. <laughs> so that helped me out a lot. But when it came to my junior year in high school, they made me choose basketball or volleyball. Obviously, I'm going to pick basketball. But I feel like volleyball helped. But I really don't remember the number. Gosh, that made me seem so old. <laughs> <laughs> did,
0: did you ever consider pulling an Erica Nassar and playing volleyball and basketball oh, at Oregon no. State like she did? <laughs>
1: Oh no, see. Like I was I was okay at volleyball. The girls at OSU they were great. Like I would go and watch the games. I'd be like, I know I know what it looks like. I know what it's supposed to be, but I was okay. I wasn't I wasn't that talented.
0: Erica spent one year in the basketball team. Was was that one of the years you were there too?
1: Yeah, yeah. So that was definitely a year I was there. She's a great girl. Athletic is I don't know what. And I was like, and on top of that, you played two sports in one year, like kudos, girl, you got it. <laughs> because That's... obviously volleyball is very demanding and then basketball is like a whole totally different pace. But she kept up smooth. So I was just like, girl, you are athletic.
0: <laughs> as far as beyond athletics, including when you are at Oregon State, uh, you know, mm-hmm. college is, is a time of growth, both as an athlete and as a person. What, what are some areas that you were growing in, whether it's you were learning from the coaching staff, from your players, just you're getting older and life kind of teaches right. you lessons. What were some things that you learned at Oregon State beyond the court?
1: Oh, man, organization was everything for me. <laughs> I've never had so many highlighters in my life. Like, just, just the schedule alone was just demanding off of the 6 day and wait. And then you sometimes you got the 8 AM practice, I mean not practice, excuse me, uh, eight a.m. class, and then you're rolling into midday practice. You have to figure out what courses you got. And it was definitely organization. Like right now I am the most organized person. It could you could possibly be on note note stickies, highlighters, underlining everything. So definitely Oregon State has taught me organization for sure. And I think I'm trying to think of what else. I mean, I was always an uh, outgoing type of person, maybe, you know, so I don't mm, definitely organization. I'm gonna say organization. <laughs> organization for sure. I think it I think it niched a little OCD too.
0: <laughs> when you were uh when you were nearing the end of your college career senior season, mm-hmm. you're starting to look ahead to what is post OSU life looking like what were your right. expectations at that point of here's where I might go here's what I might do what, what did you yeah. think it would look like then
1: oh man um I actually talked to Alicia which we call her Anna at that point she graduated a year before me but I was with her my junior year she was actually overseas playing basketball so I spoke I spoke with her a lot because that was the pretty much the only person I knew that actually played overseas basketball besides coach Eli on the women's side. So I was like, okay, let me see what Ana's talking about. And, you know, we had a, we had great conversation. I still talk to her to this this day, but I think for me, I didn't really think I was going to play basketball like that until I got an opportunity to play overseas. And a lot of people don't really know that there are opportunities to play basketball overseas. Like no matter what level you are, no matter what school you go to, there's opportunities for everyone. But I really thought I was just gonna go home and just get a job and be, you know, <laughs> do the nine to five, which I was a hundred percent fine with. I've always grown up just to be like, you know, if basketball is what you love, do that. When you stop loving it, do something else you love. And I think that was the mindset my parents put into me. So, at that point, when I was graduating, I was like, well, I still love to play basketball. I was like, the only person I know that's really playing basketball outside of, you know, WNBA was Anna. So. When I gave her a call, she kind of filled me in on a little bit more information. I was just like, okay, let me get your agent and see, see what happens. So we actually had the same agent at one point, and he put me on overseas, and I've been here eight years later.
0: Yeah, per- your professional career has extended <laughs> pretty long, which is amazing. Uh, what are the different places you've played uh, in the last seven, eight years? Uh,
1: um. Well, my rookie year started in Malta, which is actually an island. Loved it. <laughs> Loved it. <laughs> but yeah, I went to I played in Malta, Australia, the UK, Switzerland, France. I played in Turkey for three years, Puerto Rico, and now I'm in Romania. So I'm curious to see where else I can go. <laughs>
0: You're going to cover the whole world by the time you're done.
1: Yeah, I'm trying to. But, you know, it's actually kind of funny. It's like my goal is actually to play with someone in Pac-12. I haven't yet.
0: Wow. But,
1: yeah. I'm kind of surprised you haven't. Yeah, I haven't yet. I've been I played with a lot of girls in the SEC, but not the Pac-12 yet. Uh, uh, Big 10, yeah, Big 10 SEC, not the Pac-12 yet. So I'm waiting for that one. (laughs) I told Ruth we could be a package
0: deal, four or five. <laughs> you, you you and Ruth Hamlin would dominate the entire European Union. if
1: They need to get on that.
0: <laughs> what are some of the, the intricacies of culture where you, you get to see what it's like to live in Romania in Australia, in Malta, in Switzerland, every, everywhere you've been? What are some of the things you've taken away from, oh, that's how they do that. Oh, that's how they approach this situation. What are the, some things yeah. that have stood out to you?
1: I think the biggest Eye opening country would definitely be Turkey. One, just because it is a it is a Muslim country. So going into it, I had no idea what the customs were. Obviously you want to be respectful in anyone's country that you're going to because you're a foreigner. You're not you know, you're not from there, you don't know the customs. But over the three years I've been there, I learned the language, I I understood, you know, how, how things work and what operates and you know, so I feel like the thing that most people have to adjust to is their traditional food. Every country is, has a little bit of American. You know, you're gonna see like Popeye's and McDonald's and things of that nature. Yeah, that's for the tourists, but it's like when you're really living in the country, you have to go to the grocery stores and you're mingling outside of the tourist areas. It's really helpful to be one, respectful, and two, actually know the foods that they're accustomed to so you don't you know go in the grocery store and think seeing you know chicken feet hanging and you're all freaked out <laughs> you know it's just it's normal for them so I feel like that was the biggest thing is the food for sure food for sure
0: yeah that, that is that is pretty fascinating what are some other things especially from your Oregon State teammates that you you learned from once you get playing with other people you start to see how they approach both the game itself and life outside of basketball mm-hmm. you see oh wow they, they do this thing really well or I respect how they do this whether it be in Alicia yeah. Marshbanks or it's a Ruth mm-hmm. Hamblin or an Ali Gibson or whatever teammates right. may have what, what's someone who someone you respected at OSU and you you took something away from their life and and you know I pr- took took a lesson from them
1: right I've always looked up to what Ana's you know, what Ana brought to the court. One, because she was my senior when I was there, so we mainly looked at her for everything. We're like, uh, <laughs> like, we have no idea. But it was also her hard work and everything she did. Like, no, mar- no matter what it was, you knew she you knew Anna was going to work hard. You knew Ana was going to go 1,000%. And even Allie Gibson, her persistency, because she came in as a rookie. Well, no, a rookie. <laughs> a freshman. <laughs> she came in as a freshman, you know, and to you know, to do that, to have, well, to have the amazing career that she had at OSU, it, I was proud. I was like, I've seen you from start to finish, and I was like, you know what, like, you really you really were persistent about, you know, what you wanted to do, how you were going to fit this team, and most importantly, how you were going to connect with the team, and I feel like that was the biggest thing. It's the connection. That's why they were able to win so much.
0: Mm. Okay, Let me ask you another deep question. I know this, this might be putting you on the spot a little bit. It's okay if there's not an immediate answer right off the top of your head. If you compare the things that you thought would bring you happiness and fulfillment when you finished OSU of like this is what I want life to look like too. When you look back at the last eight years, the times you've been happiest, the things that you've gotten mm-hmm. the most joy from, have those been the same things? You know, what what are those things where you're your happiest win blank? You know, what are those things?
1: Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> that, yeah, you definitely put me on the spot with that one. Well at OSU, I was the most happiest when we got our stipend checks. <laughs> I'm gonna be honest. (laughs) I was happy. I was happy on that day. But, you know, for me, actually, you know, graduating, growing, understanding how money works. I don't even think it was that. I feel like it was just the culture of meeting different people, having those connections, you know, outside of Oregon State. Once everyone graduates, everyone preferably goes back to their state, which they're from. So, you know, it's like, with that connection that I made with obviously my teammates and people outside of women's basketball, I still have those connections to this day. It's like, I can still call Courtney Sambro when I'm in Atlanta and go to lunch with her. I can still hang out with Kiki in Seattle. Like, so I feel like it's those types of things that I cherish the most rather than, you know, just getting a stipend check and spending it
0: (laughs) at the mall. I've never heard anyone bring up the stipend check. I I don't know why it seems like a big deal for college students. (laughs)
1: Man, you know, and when you when you're a college student, and you know, you preferably we did have meals. I'm not gonna say we were just living crazy, but when you get an extra, you know, three hundred dollars, and you don't know how to manage money, you blow it on Dairy Queen every night, like me. <laughs> Dairy Queen and Walmart runs.
0: <laughs> Maybe that's an area where organization played a, a huge role yeah. in, in your life too. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Organization hit hard. <laughs> uh,
0: last question or two for you. Wh- whenever your basketball career does come to an end and hopefully that's, you know, whenever you want it to be years from now and you get to play in Romania or travel all around the world for, for many more years, if that's what you want to do, but whenever that does come to an end down the road, uh, what is it that you hope to to get into both professionally of what job you might want to do but also even if there's there's things you look forward to that aren't job related of mm-hmm. the community of people you want to be around the area you want to live in the the type of person you right. want to be what do you kind of imagine that post-basketball life being like
1: right well you know I, I graduated with a culture anthropology degree so you know technically I'm in my field but most basketball, I really want to do something in the community. Community outreach is always something I would enjoy, whether it be Habitat for Humanities, you know, YMCA, Boys and Girls Club, something of that nature, and obviously in tying in kids as well, because I've learned over the years, you know, we doing clinics, basketball camps, and things of that nature. Has a lot of girls come up to me, a lot of kids, oh, we love America, you know, and so one, I'm 6'4", so they're drawn to me anyway, <laughs> but you know, so it's like, I, I, I really want to do something in the community that deals with kids, whether it, I mean, obviously I'm, I don't really think it would be coaching. I feel like it would be more of a counselor mentor type of um, situation. So I really feel like I can do that because one, I've experienced pretty much every level of life <laughs> besides death, but you know, <laughs> and I feel like, you know, a lot of people just need someone to be relatable to someone that they can just look at and just have a, a simple conversation with. And I feel like if I can do that for kids and I can build them up to be something greater than that, than they already are, then that right there is, is the best job ever.
0: Have you been, you know, had a mentorship type relationship where you've had a, either a kid or maybe just a younger teammate where you mentor mm-hmm. them or help them through that kind of got you inspired to do that sort of thing more?
1: Oh, yeah, for sure i mean coming coming after my my fifth season i I became the veteran on the team, which is crazy to even say, so right now we have a girl on our team twenty four you know this is her third season that you know, but this is my age, so I'm seeing things in her, and I'm telling her like you know, this is what you should look out for on the court like but this is like that's what you have to do when you're a veteran it's like you have to do this, you have to, I have to practice. If you don't have this, like, you got to go get treatment. Like, you know, it's, it's kind of, I wouldn't say it's a mentorship. It's more like a guide. Like, if you want to be, if you want to have a long career, it's the little things that you have to do now. So you don't break down. <laughs> because I mean, playing 40 minutes or like 30 something games where it's, it's a lot on your body. So I feel like, I've, I've mentored kids on, on that aspect of it but I've never really had someone younger as in like a kid or anything besides someone coming up to me at church that want you know extra help or you know I see someone in the gym that oh you know you should work on this that and the third but other than that it, I've actually had a, well she's way older than me she's on her 15th season barb she's mentoring me <laughs> so there's always somebody for everybody like she went to Yukon, she mentored me, she played in Turkey fifteen years. She's my mentor. <laughs> so, you know, hopefully I can use the things that she gives me and pass it down because that's what it's all about. Just passing down information.
0: Yeah, it's just like a, a chain link, right? Person A, mentors yeah, B, sure. B goes to C, you know.
1: No, for sure. And you know, there's little things that I, you know, at this eighth year, I I didn't even know. I'm like, oh wow, you could do this, you can do that. I'm like, yeah. So you know, it's, it's pretty much just passing down information for sure. But that is definitely my dream job.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Well, Patricia, it's been really fun to, to hear from you. Thanks so much for joining the podcast and best of luck on the 14-hour bus ride. I hope you get a win <laughs> and enjoy the bus ride back. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. <laughs> Well, I hope you enjoyed talking about Oregon State women's basketball a little bit and seeing what Patricia Bright has done ever since OSU. It struck me how many different countries have been represented on this podcast, not only athletes who came from overseas, but also who joined the podcast from their post-OSU travels to places around the country, whether it be Australia, where I've had Jarmel Reed, Angus Brandt, Caitlin Driscoll or Japan, Megan Miller, uh, Russia for Jamie Wisner, Romania now for Patricia Bright. Uh, I'll have to create a whole list to see the different countries that people have gone around that uh, I've been able to talk with. But it's been a lot of fun uh, to see cultural nuances and what people have learned in their international travels. By the way, I'd like to mention a nonprofit profit on each episode. So, a quick shout-out to Food for the Hungry. They support kids all over the world, as well as people in need, families in need, uh, women's empowerment in various countries, helping farmers. I mean, a whole lot of projects that they do do really good work with whatever money you can provide. So, you can check out all their endeavors and perhaps donate if you'd like to. Go online at fh.org. That's fh.org for Food for the Hungry. Don't forget the upcoming Beaver Tales documentary series, Reliving the Oregon State Baseball Season of 2018 and narrating and reliving some moments in baseball history at Oregon State. That project comes out soon. You can check the description for this episode for a link to uh, see more about that and sign up for the email list. My thanks again to Patricia Bright for joining the podcast. Hope you've enjoyed this episode and some upcoming athletes from various sports including one pretty legendary Oregon State athlete who I'm really excited to talk with in a few days all right until next time everybody here on the beaver tales podcast i've been your host josh warden good night everybody and go beeves.